0: V.C.Y. America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program
1: discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the internet at
2: vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. Friends, we do thank you for joining us on Crosstalk here on V.C.Y. America. Today, there are numerous attacks on the authority of God's Word. I mean, the mantra of our society is that same question we find in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, Yea, hath God said? I mean, increasingly, the world is turning its back on God, and great efforts are being made to remove God from the halls of government and from academia across the full educational spectrum. But even more alarming is the increasing number of churches and Christian institutions that are denying the authority of God's Word, and also are adding their voices to that of the serpent, Yea, hath God said. Our guest today is from an organization that's been both vocal and active in upholding the authority of God's Word, and they're celebrating 30 years as a ministry. Joining us today, we welcome back Ken Ham, the founder, CEO of Answers in Genesis U.S. and the highly acclaimed Creation Museum and the world-renowned Ark Encounter. Ken is a biblical apologist. He is one of the most in-demand Christian speakers in North America. Became internationally known for his 2014 Creation Evolution debate with Bill Guy, uh, Bill Nye, rather, the science guy. Uh, he's a host of the daily radio broadcast Answers with Ken Ham, heard on stations across the country. The author of uh, more than 30 books, some of the titles, Creation to, to, to Babel, a commentary for Families, Divided Nations, Six Days, Will They Stand, and numerous others. Ken, thank you for joining us here today on Crosstalk.
1: Hi, hey, thanks, Jim. It's so uh, great, and what a pleasure to be with you again.
2: So, Ken, you moved to, to the United States of America in 1987. Uh, compare or contrast what you see in the United States now in 2024 compared to what you saw when you moved into this nation.
1: Wow, that's an interesting question. You know, we just had a group of uh, young people come from Australia over here to America. You know what's interesting? <clears throat> They're amazed at how, to them, how Christian America is because, you know, they could come to a place like the Ark Encounter, the Creation Museum, and they could, you know, they, they could still see uh, advertisements for, for Christmas and nativity scenes and so on. And the reason is because Australia has become so pagan. I mean, it really is. It's totally post-Christian in that sense. Now, they thought America was, uh, you know, very Christian because of the influences that they saw. But compared to when I came over, I remember when I first started coming over to America in the 80s. And, um, I mean, it was way, way, way more influenced by Christianity than it is today. Um, much more so. And I was just, I was just absolutely taken by the, the number of churches and Christian colleges and billboards advertising Christian things. And you could go into the big shopping centers and there were nativity scenes and that sort of thing. And compared to when I came over, uh, today is very, uh, very, very different. And it's become very, very secularized and mm-hmm. anti-Christian. But it's also a reminder of how anti-Christian other nations are when people from Australia think America today yeah. uh, is, is quite Christian. It just tells you how pagan they have become. And we've seen this in the whole Western world. I mean, the entire Western world was certainly permeated by the Judeo-Christian ethic in in a big way, and, of course, America more than any. Yeah. Uh, and now we've seen that wane uh, dramatically. I mean, if, when, you, when you go to... Um, to England, to go across the United Kingdom, you, you just think you're in a total pagan country. In some places, you think you're in a Muslim country. I mean, things have changed uh, dramatically, and I've certainly seen the change uh, here in America. And, you know, there's, there's other changes. There are words we use today that I never heard of back then. In fact, you know, we, we opened the Creation Museum in 2016, so this year it'll be eight years old, I'd never heard of the word woke back then. I mean, if anyone said to me woke, I would think, "Oh, somebody woke up from sleep or something like that." Mm-hmm. But think today, the the word woke is almost an everyday term, and yeah. uh, we we know that it's it's talking about the fact that people are abandoning God's word and abandoning. Uh, the Christian worldview and they have a totally secular worldview and becoming increasingly anti-Christian, where Christians have increasingly become the enemy in this culture. And so now if you stand for, you know, God's word in regard to marriage, a man and a woman, a a pro-life, that abortion is killing a human being right from fertilization, that there's only two genders of humans, um, male and female, I mean, you'll be called, you'll, you'll, you'll be called intolerant, uh, that you have hate speech, that you're misogynist, that you're homophobic. Who would have ever thought America would get to that stage? But that's, that's where we're at. And we're also seeing an increasing number of churches now mm-hmm. that are what you would call woke. In other words, they're starting to get soft on LGBT, and soft in the abortion issue. And we've we got to stand back and say, everything has changed. So much of the church now is lukewarm. Yeah. It is certainly not on fire for the Lord. And uh, it's gone hand-in-hand hand with a generational loss from the church. I mean, what are we down to? Uh, Generation Z, yeah. less than 9% church attendance. Whereas if you go back to the 1700s, there was, what, 75 to 80% of the population attended church in America. And now for the Generation Z, it's less than 9%. And we have, you know, Christian researcher George Varner saying they're the first truly post Christian generation, in other words, totally secular, anti God. That's
2: where this culture is mm-hmm. at. Yeah, and sadly, I mean, it's like a commentary of what we see from Judges 2.10 about that generation that was raised up that knew not God, that didn't know his, his the works that he had done. Uh, Ken, uh, congratulations. 30 years of ministry uh, of Answers in Genesis uh, officially began in December of 1993 when it was legally incorporated, and then you and your co-founders, Mark Loy, Mike Zovath, uh, you moved your families to Kentucky in 1994, but even back then, 1994, you were concerned by the erosion taking place and the attack upon the authority of God's Word, weren't you?
1: Yes, in fact, this ministry has always been one to emphasize biblical authority and the gospel. You know, Jim, over the years, of course, a lot of people have said, Oh, Ken Ham, in Genesis, Genesis, what they're all about is the age of the earth and fossils and so on. And, you know, even making false accusations, they're saying if you uh, don't believe in a young earth uh, that you can't be saved and so on. Um, but, you know, our ministry has always been, and I've always positioned it as, a biblical authority ministry. In other words, we're all about the authority of the Word of God. Because, you know, we, when you even go back to Genesis and go back to Genesis chapter 3, what was the first attack? It was on the authority of the Word. Yes. And you mentioned it before uh, when you said, you know, has God said? Yeah. Did God really say the first attack was in the authority of the word. And it's interesting when you jump over to the New Testament in Second Corinthians eleven three, the Apostle Paul has a warning for us, and this is God's word, so it's God having a warning for us, that the devil is going to use the same method on us as he did on Eve to get us to a position on not believing the things of God. Well, what was the method he used on Eve? Did God really say to attack and undermine the authority of the word of God? And this ministry of answers in Genesis, I believe God has raised up because there's been a particular attack on the authority of the Word of God in our time, and that attack is particularly leveled against the first 11 chapters of the Bible. And the first 11 chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1-11, to they're the foundation for everything. I mean, think about it. Genesis 1-11 to is the foundation for everything. There's nothing that is ultimately not founded in Genesis 1-11. to Or to put it another way, If you want to deal with any issue, it doesn't matter what the issue is. The the issue can be uh, death and suffering. It could be fossils. It could be the age of the earth. It could be abortion. It could be gender. It could be uh, dealing with marriage. It doesn't matter what the issue is. You have to start from Genesis 1 to 11 because God has given us the foundational history to enable us to build a Christian worldview, and it is the foundation for everything. In Genesis 1-11, to we have the origin of all the basic entities of life and the universe, the origin of everything, and the meaning of anything is tied up with its origin. And the devil knows if you get rid of Genesis 1-11, to you have no foundation mm-hmm. for any of your doctrine. You have no foundation for the gospel. You have no foundation for anything. And issues of the age of the earth have been, unfortunately, used as an attack on the authority of the Word of God, to question God's Word, to to reinterpret the days of creation, to add millions of years into the Bible and reinterpret the Bible, add evolutionary ideas in. That's why we deal with those particular issues. But ultimately, ultimately, what this ministry is all about is biblical authority. And I I see that what we're doing as a ministry, in a way, and it's what we've been doing for many, many years, for 30 years that this ministry has been in existence. And actually... It started in an embryonic sense in our home in Australia in 1977. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, it came to America and so on. But then we started the Answers and Genesis ministry here in Kentucky that built the Ark, the Creation Museum. We started that ministry uh, in uh, legally, as you said, it was legally incorporated in 1993. But this ministry has always been one to, to call the church back to the authority of the Word of God, because so many of our church leaders have compromised God's Word in Genesis, and now we even see more and more church leaders becoming what you would call woke, Mm -hmm. in other words, getting soft on LGBT and so on. And I I was asked a a question just recently by someone at a conference, and they said, why is it that we're seeing, you know, so many church leaders even becoming soft on LGBT and they're affected by, by being woke and so on? And I said, well... If you want to be woke proof, you've got to believe in Genesis one to eleven as literal history, and you will find that these pastors and Christian leaders that are getting soft on LGBT and other things and are very lukewarm in their churches, you will find they do not take the stand on Genesis one to eleven like they should. That's what you'll find. There's a connection there, and so therefore, if you want to be woke proof, we need to take a stand on a literal Genesis one to eleven. And that's a message that's so important for the Church, and that's why, you know, for our ministry, we're really... To to me, it's like uh, like Martin Luther and the Reformation. We're really nailing Genesis 1 to 11, if you like, on the doors of churches Mm -hmm. and saying, you have got to return to biblical authority at the beginning, which is the foundation for everything, And so, in a way, we're calling for a new Reformation. I believe we need a new Reformation in our churches. Amen. To get back to the authority of the Word of God from the very first verse.
2: Amen. Amen. Ken Ham with us today. Ken, did did you set out to have a Creation Museum?
1: Well, it's... Yes, in in a way. Um, You know, the vision for the Creation Museum goes back to the 70s, the late 70s. Mm -hmm. I became a high school teacher in 1975, and finding when I, I took those students to museums, they're all from an atheistic perspective. And so even back then, I started to a burden, Lord, why can't, we have, why can't we have museums that teach the truth, that teach God's Word? And in 1980 in Australia, after we'd started ministry in our home in 1977, in 1980, uh, one of the men who became a, a board member of our ministry in Australia to help us, uh, and I stood on a piece of property in Australia and prayed that um, the Lord would allow us to build a creation museum. Wow. And do you realize that the Lord answered that prayer in 2007 in Kentucky? Mm. Can you believe that? <laughs>
3: yeah. uh,
1: God's ways are not our ways. But here's the thing. If you ask me, is the museum, the Ark Encounter, the ministry you have today, is that what you envisaged back then? And I say, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, I never thought you'd have a museum like we have, which is a world-class attraction. Yes. And then another world-class attraction in the Ark, and you, you... It's
2: just amazing. It is. It is. And we use the two words, but God, but God, who put this all together. Uh, Ken Ham with us today. Answers in Genesis, 30 years now upholding biblical authority. And uh, we're speaking with Ken Ham, the founder, CEO of Answers in Genesis. We're going to talk more about the museum, the Ark Encounter, and really the attacks against the authority of God's word today. This is Crosstalk coming your way from the VCY American Network.
4: Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation seminar speaker with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, where do comets come from?
1: Chris, the short-period comets, like Halley's comet, can make only a few trips around the sun before they completely disintegrate. Yet there are a number of short-period comets. Obviously, to support a billions-of-years-old solar system, evolutionists need an inexhaustible supply of short-period comets. Thus, they had proposed a belt of comets called the Kuiper Belt orbiting the Sun near Neptune. They had no evidence of such a zone of comets, but figured it must be there to salvage their theory. Well, now we have the telescopes and spacecraft able to search this zone, and we found less than 4% of what they need. Thus, this dreamland of comets needed to salvage Big Bang ideas has been disproved. What hasn't been disproved is the creation story. That's the one that's given back in Genesis.
4: For more on creation, visit our website at www.icr.org.
2: You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. With us today is Ken Ham, the founder, CEO of Answers in Genesis, and now 30 years upholding biblical authority. December of uh, 1993, it officially began when it was legally incorporated, and then uh, he and the co-founders Mark Loy, Mike Zofath, and their families moved to Kentucky in 1994. And Ken, as you uh, alluded to, you opened the museum in May of 2007, and there literally have been multiple millions that have gone through the museum. We'll get to the Ark in just a bit, but what impact has the Creation Museum had upon this nation and really around the world? I think
1: it's had um, different sorts of impacts in different ways. Uh, first of all, uh, th- I mean, this was the first of its kind in the world. And uh, when we opened the Creation Museum, I mean, there were like a hundred different media, secular media and Christian media, media from all over the world who were there. I mean, they were astonished that a Christian group would actually dare open a museum to say God created and and uh, that evolution wasn't true. Mm-hmm. And uh, the interesting thing was <clears throat> that over and over again, had many of the media who would say, we're used to Christians... Uh, Christian facilities being cheesy, and they sort of didn't expect what they got. I mean, this is world-class. This is every bit
2: <laughs> holy. Ken, you've, you've, you've had skeptics that have been concerned at the high quality of your exhibits that people might actually come away believing them.
1: That's true. We've got, Some of them have actually made those quotes, said, hey, this is so professional. This is so well done. People might believe this stuff, you know. So, um, I, And that had an impact. And You know, we've actually had other Christian organizations come and see what we've done and say, you know what, they need to take what they're doing to that level as well. So Mm -hmm. I I think it was, in many ways, it it sort of set a standard for things to be done in the Christian world, and now people see that we we can do that standard, that world-class professional standard. But the, the most important impact, though, that the museum has had is on people's hearts and minds, on their lives. I mean, I just had one of our staff today was going through some of the testimonies that we get by email, by um, letter, because uh, we have lots of other testimonies said to us personally, but people who we've who been talking about, we had these kids uh, writing in and saying that after they went through the museum, they asked Jesus into their life. Praise the Lord. Just the impact that it's had on people, also the many Christians that have said it's emboldened them. Mm-hmm. So they said they feel so put down in the culture, and as a Christian, you sort of almost feel like if I say anything, you know, I'm going to be put down by others. And, and the fact that they can come here and see how bold we are and overt we are in presenting God's Word and the Gospel, and we don't hide any of it, people have said it's made them more bold, and they've gone back to their own churches and said, we're going to teach this, and we're going to be more bold, and we're going to, we're going to be more emboldened to go out and preach to our non-Christian mm-hmm. friends. And I, I think the Creation Museum has had a lot of different impacts like that.
2: It really has. And and, again, that was May of 2007. Then in July of 2016, you opened the Ark Encounter, and this, this truly is a fascinating structure. And for those who've never been there before, just dis- describe this for us, Ken.
1: Well, the Ark Encounter, you know, one of the most asked questions we've been asked over the years is how could Noah get all the animals on the Ark? And, of course, the atheists use that to say Noah couldn't have fitted all the millions of species on the Ark. You know, mm-hmm. you mentioned the debate I had with Bill Nye in yep. 2014. And during that debate, he actually mocked at me for believing in Noah's Ark because he said Noah couldn't fit all the millions of species on board. And so, you know, while we were building the Creation Museum, in fact, uh, in 2004 and then 2005, we even talked about, what are we going to do after we built the Creation Museum? And we talked about, well, what about an ark? Because over the years, we've, we tried to use helium balloons to try to show people how, how big the ark was and things like that. And uh, so we set out to build a life size noah 's ark which is which is extraordinary because you can 't just go to an architect and say hey are you 're going to build an ark <laughs> yes. um, but we uh, heard of a Mennonite uh, architect who all his life had grown up with the Amish community and had uh, been working out how to design uh, a wooden noah 's ark as a, as a life size you know uh, structure to scale according to the dimensions in the bible and so uh, we were able to uh, find that person God brought them to us and then the uh, carpenters the craftsmen from the Amish community that came to build it and we built a life-size Noah's Ark it's one and a half times the length of a football field it's half the width of a football field it's built 15 feet off the ground so at the bow end stands 10 stories high 3.3 million board feet of timber Mm -hmm. it's the largest what you call free-standing timber frame structure in the world and so it's it's, some people have said, even some of the media have said to me, this is one of the wonders of the modern world. Yes. And it's filled with three floors of exhibits answering all sorts of questions about creation, about the flood, about how Noah got the animals on board, the kinds, not the species, about the ice age after the flood, about civilization, about the so called races, or one race, and so on. There's just so many questions uh, that are answered. And as people go through that, uh, it, it impacts their lives, and people get saved right there in the ark. And you know, on the on the second deck, my favorite exhibit is the big door, yes. one door in the side of the ark, and has a cross lit up on it. And uh, the teaching there is a reminder: it's mo- uh, families. It's the most photographed part of the ark, where they stand there with their families in front of that door. It's mm-hmm. a reminder: as no and family went through a door to be saved, we need to go through a door, and that door uh, is the Lord Jesus. But you know, it's not just what's inside the ark. And we have two open uh, area theaters inside the Ark with movies as well. But then we have a virtual reality experience. It's like a virtual reality ride in a building outside the Ark. We have a carousel. We have an incredible playground for children. We have a Noah's Village. We yep. have an outside stage. Then we have our own conference center, the Answer Center, 2,500-seat auditorium. We have all sorts of workshop rooms underneath and a science lab. We teach all sorts of programs to young people. We have Programs during the day we have our own resident artists who do uh concerts uh on a on a daily basis and at christmas time we have the most stunning light displays that you you can see at the ark and the creation museum people come from all over america to come to them we have christian christmas dramas and we have special christmas concerts and other programs we have a a zoo at the ark Mm. we have camel Mm -hmm. rides we have a uh, beautiful gardens at the creation museum i mean it's just amazing what god has enabled us yeah. to do these are world-class attractions that that thirty percent are non-christian who come here
2: that's amazing it's amazing again before we continue on give us websites where our listeners can obtain more information
1: <laughs> well uh for the Ark encounter and the creation museum if if you go to arkencounter.com, arkencounter.com, you get all the information about the Ark, and it'll have a link there to go to the Creation Museum, but the Creation Museum has its own website too, creationmuseum.org. Although these days you just do a Google search for Ark Encounter or Creation Museum. Mm-hmm. And our main website, we have lots of different websites, but the main website, and you can connect everything from it, is answersingenesis.org, because Answers in Genesis is the actual name of the apologetics ministry uh, that runs the Ark, the Creation Museum, and of course, you know, we produce curricula and we have all sorts of outreaches in our own uh, streaming platform um, for, for TV and all sorts of different things
2: as well. Friends, again, if you uh, miss those websites, arcencounter.com, arcencounter.com, there's creationmuseum.org, or the, really the gateway website, answersingenesis.org, answersingenesis.org. And uh, friends, time is not going to permit us to. But they've opened new exhibits in 2023: the Torah Scrolls exhibit, the Arcs of the World exhibit uh, in the Ark right now. And uh, Ken, when I was personally there in October, yeah, your your crews were busy getting up, starting the working on the Christmas lights at that time, preparing for the for the uh, large a time exhibit, but uh, one thing I'd like to point out, too, you've had a number of skeptics that have actually visited these facilities, and we we had some comments about that, but you even had Bill Nye go through the Ark.
1: We did, and, uh, you know, I did a debate with Bill Nye in 2014, uh, and uh, then when we opened uh, the Ark in uh, uh, 2016, uh, Bill Nye came. He wanted to come with a film crew, so we said, okay, as long as we can have our film crew and uh, he wanted to go through the ark. So I spent two hours with him, taking him through the ark. We had all these people following us around, and I was challenging him all the way mm-hmm. through. He thought he would be able to make fun of me and so on, but I was able to challenge him on many, many issues. And it's called the second debate, because that's what it actually turned into, and it's readily available you know, on YouTube and on our streaming platform and so on. But sure. um, Bill, Nye, you know, there was one time when we're when going through the aqua, I felt Bill Nye actually let his guard down. When I really talked to him about the importance of the gospel, we wanted to see him saved. And I remember him saying, I know you do. And it was almost like he was thinking. And then, you know, I think he's like the rich young ruler. He recognized there's too much to give up on this world. Mm. Um, you know, your fame, your riches, whatever. Think of what Bill Nye would have to give up if he admitted, wow, uh, there is a God, he's the God of creation, the God of the Bible. Commit his life to him, then he would be so laughed at and mocked at by his peers. And uh, you know, all that fame that he had and that TV fame, uh, I just feel he's he's sort of like the rich young ruler who turned away and, and walked away sad because he just recognized he'd have to give up too much. And well, you know, the Bible says, What does prophet man? Well, to, to gain the whole world, yeah. but if he loses his soul,
2: right, right, that's a sad thing. It really is a sad thing. Ken Ham with us today, founder CEO of Answers in Genesis. And Ken, that's a rather new title for you, founder CEO. You've certainly been founder of Answers in Genesis, a co-founder there. But uh, you have brought somebody new on the team here, Martin Isles, as well, to uh, the position of, of executive CEO of Answers in Genesis. Uh, just give us a word about him, if you would.
1: Well, you know what, Jim? We all get old, right? Uh, We age on this earth, and one of the things I've seen is so many Christian organizations that after their founder is no longer to be there, maybe they die, go to be with the Lord, or they have to retire for health reasons, whatever it is. Um, So many of them drift away, and uh, so many of them do not um, uh, continue on the stand that they should. And I want to make sure that Answers in Genesis is looked after for the future, and I've always kept my eye out for really you know, a strong leader who could who could take this on for the future. And just through a number of circumstances, the Lord led us to Martin Isles. Martin is a young man, half my age, actually, uh, from Australia. Um, he was impacted by my videos when he was a young boy, mm. and he led one of the largest Christian movements ever in Australia in recent times. And uh, he is is so well-respected and so well-known, takes the same stand we do, understands the culture, um and uh, deals with all those issues of identity you know the gender issues and mm-hmm. so on and uh so the lord led martin to come here and we appointed him the board agreed with my succession plan i came up with um i i'm not going to retire I, I have the same philosophy of retirement as moses did you know <laughs> he mm-hmm. retired the day the lord took him right. but i'll i'll be here as long as i can uh, as long as the Lord gives me strength I'm, and i 'm able to be here I'll, so the board uh, appointed him as um, executive uh, CEO under me as founder CEO which makes it very clear to people that he 's going to be the leader for the future, and uh, we will work together to to run this ministry. I still say, stay overseeing the whole ministry, but he 's taking more and more responsibility and to lead this ministry into the future. And, and he has a lot of connection with young people and with digital technology and to even you know have fresh ideas to add to this ministry to make it even more impactful for the future and to continue to take the same stand on God's Word, which is what we need. And that's what we need to be doing in our churches and other Christian organizations.
2: Mm-hmm. Well friends uh, this is a good transition point because we're up against a break Ken Ham is with us today answers in Genesis 30 years of upholding biblical authority and preparing for the future as well and we're going to take a quick break when we come back I'm just going to probe Ken as well regarding the burden on his heart regarding what's happening in the evangelical church what's happening in evangelical colleges across this nation as well and and uh, we'll have an example for you as well that uh, we'll have him comment on but friends it's it's sad to see not only the world going the direction it is, but to see many a church going this direction, going woke, as Ken referred to earlier. Back in one minute, you're listening to Crosstalk.
4: There is a movement to propel humanity toward a advanced level of existence. Those seeking to change the culture of society are on a rapid trajectory, aggressively touting the extremely powerful capabilities of AI. AI, artificial intelligence, and transhumanism. The ultimate goal of the elite is to obtain immortality and become gods. In the book, Artificial Intelligence, Transhumanism, and the De-Evolution of Democracy, Pastor and Bible Prophecy Speaker Dr. Richard Smith unfolds his extensive research and documents revealing information unveiling the agenda of those pursuing this technology for evil. You'll also see how these technological advancements fit hand in glove with biblical prophecy and one known as Antichrist. The book, Artificial Intelligence, available for a donation of $18. Call 1-800-729-9829.
2: This is Crosstalk on VCY America. With us today is Ken Ham, the founder-CEO of Answers in Genesis U.S., the highly acclaimed Creation Museum, and the world-renowned Ark Encounter. We're talking about, well, it's an anniversary, 30 years upholding biblical authority at Answers in Genesis. And we see what's happening in our society today, folks, and the reason why this needs to be done. Not only a statement to the world, but, Ken, a statement to the church as well. And I know you have a burden on your heart. And just what is happening as as it relates to the evangelical church and the evangelical colleges, as it relates to upholding the authority of God's Word? I, I know you could speak for hours and volumes on this, but in brief, what is that burden as it relates to this issue?
1: Well, the burden is, look, if, if we are going to raise up um, Daniels in this culture, and I mean, that's one of the things that uh, Martin Isles, uh, our new executive CEO, has had a burden for, and has been talking about, you know, living in Babylon. We are living in like a Babylon. Um, I mean, Babylon was a real city, but it's also symbolic for, for the rebellion against God's word as well. And really, our culture today is like a Babylon, and we need Daniels who are prepared to, to live in Babylon, to live in a, in a, in a pagan culture, mm-hmm. and uh, to raise up those those Daniels, or the Shadrachs, Meshachs, Mendigos and so on. To raise up people like that, we need to be teaching them to think foundationally from God's Word beginning in Genesis so they know what they believe and why, they understand their doctrine, they have a true Christian worldview, and they need to be equipped with apologetics to be able to defend the Christian faith. In other words, all the attacks on God's Word today, um, attacks from evolution and millions of years and... You know, all all the, the skeptics, the atheists, the way they attack the Bible, saying science undermines the Bible, we need to be giving them those answers, equipping them with apologetics so that they can stand on God's word, so they can defend the Christian faith. The trouble is, the majority of our Christian colleges and seminaries and Bible colleges, not all, but certainly the majority, uh, actually compromise Genesis with evolution or say Genesis was just Written against the background of Eastern mythology, or uh, they they say that uh, it doesn't matter. You don't need to believe in Genesis. It's not literal history. And the sad thing is, that's why there are so many church leaders, pastors, and others that don't take a stand on Genesis as well, uh, because they've been trained in these colleges that compromise, and and they you know they've been taught uh, millions of years, and they're most adamant on on taking the same stand that the secularists do. And one of of the things I have said is that, hey, I'll I'll say it very bluntly, Uh, those Christian colleges, the professors, you know, the church leaders uh, that tell generations you can believe in millions of years, you you don't have to take uh, Genesis as written and so on. They're actually helping the atheists because what they're doing is undermining the authority of God's Word, and they're actually... Uh, impacting the younger generations to believe you don't need to accept God's word in Genesis. And you know what we've seen as a result? We've seen younger generations lead the church in droves, and they become very secularized. And I believe many of our Christian colleges and uh, Bible colleges, Christian universities uh, in our churches have really helped the atheists in leading uh, generations astray. And, you know, you you even think of some of the the big-name Uh, colleges like Wheaton College and Calvin College, and I could go on and name so many others that many people don't realize how compromised these colleges are when it comes to um, issues of of genesis and evolution and millions of years. And then you've got an organization in America uh, called BioLogos that was started by Francis Collins, um, that its main mission is to teach the church to believe in evolution and mm. not believe in a literal Genesis. And I mean, a lot of these Christian colleges have been impacted by BioLogos. It's uh, been um, funded by uh, the Temple Foundation, a foundation from a very liberal um, uh, person um, who is who a very uh, liberal scholar. Uh, and, you know, when we um, when we look at what's happening in our nation today, it's very easy to look at, the culture and say, look how bad the culture is. I think what we need to be doing is saying, what happened to the church? Yeah. Why is the church not yeah. impacting the culture like it did? I don't think we can look at the culture and blame the culture. I think we need to look at the church that so much of it now is very lukewarm, so much of it is compromised. So many of our our Christian leaders are compromised. So many of our Christian universities. Now, not all. There is a big remnant in this nation that stand on God's word. And there's many churches that stand with us. And there's a number of Christian colleges that stand with us as well. But sadly, they're the minority, they're not the majority.
2: Yeah, Indeed. And Ken, I know we could give many, many examples of this deterioration. You mentioned a couple of colleges and, and, and organizations. But uh, let me also just uh, point out, I know many people follow the teachings of Andy Stanley. And let me just say a clip or two and, and have you comment on them. And uh, this is uh, from a message from uh, earlier in 2023. There is
0: no necessary conflict between evolution and theism. Because evolution is a means. Theism says there was an agent.
2: Okay, we've got more to that clip, but Ken, we need to stop right there and uh, have you comment on what he said there.
1: Well, you know, the first thing is, you know, Andy Stanley when, when he preaches, as we know, he sort of, um, he, he basically gives up the Old Testament and, and says we, you know, basically need to disconnect that from, mm-hmm. from the New Testament. So on. he doesn't like people saying the Bible says... Um, because he's really compromised the authority of the Word of God, and you'll notice what he didn't say there. He didn't say evolution conflicts with what God's Word says, because that's the point. It's not, a, you know, him saying or oh, doesn't conflict with theism. In other words, what he's saying is, oh, you can believe in God and believe God created using evolution. Wait a minute, does evolution conflict with God's Word? Yeah. Well, the answer is absolutely. I mean, evolution teaches there was millions of years of death and disease like cancer that you find in the fossil record over millions of years before man. The Bible says when God made everything, it was very good. Death came because of Adam's sin. The whole creation groans because of Adam's Adam's sin, uh, our sin in Adam. You can't have death, bloodshed, disease, and suffering for millions of years before man. And, and by the way, that leads to, you know, when people say to me, could God have used evolution? Because some people will say, well, God can do anything, Cardi. Well, uh, in one sense, that's true. I mean, you know, nothing um, uh, nothing's impossible without God. Uh, I mean, he can do all things. You know, with God, all things are possible. But God can't sin because of his very nature. Mm-hmm. He can't sin, right? right? And God couldn't use evolution. Why not? It goes against evolution. The attributes of God, it goes against his nature. Would God use a process of death, bloodshed, disease, suffering, horrible pain, awful, awful things happening that we see in our world today in regard to life? Would he use that and call that very good and that's the means by which he created? No, no, not at all. Um, God... Uh, I created all things very good. Our sin messed it up. You can't look at this fallen world and then blame God for the fallen world. You've got to blame our sin, and that's what Andy Stanley is is missing. And but you know, most of all, he's missing the fact that the Bible is God's word. Let, it's God's authoritative word, and all Scripture is inspired yeah. by
2: God. And and let me just play a little bit further into
0: that clip here. The Genesis account of creation. The point of that isn't, here's how God did it. The point of that is that God did it. And the reason we know that is because it stood in stark contrast to the Sumerian and the Babylonian and the Canaanite and the Egyptian creation myths. And in all of their myths, the gods just sort of appeared magically out of nowhere or they created themselves or they created each other. And then Yahweh says, hang on, uh uh-uh, I created it all out of nothing. I didn't use body parts, okay? I didn't, you know, split, you know, Tiamat in half, and their lower half became the earth, and the upper half became the heavens. I mean, that's foolishness. There's one God. I'm God. I did it. That's the point of the Genesis creation count.
2: Ken, your response?
1: Huh. Oh, we could say so much in regard to that. First of all, the Bible does tell us, Genesis does tell us how God did it. Mm-hmm. And God said, let there be light, Right. And God took dust and made a man, and he put the man to sleep, and from his rib he made the first woman. I mean, the Bible tells us a lot of how he did it. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, what he's saying there, and this is a lot of what's taught in a lot of our seminaries and Bible colleges, Christian colleges today. Basically, the Genesis was written against the Near Eastern mythology of the day. Oh, you had all these... The, the, these people, Eastern mythology, having all these many gods and all the rest of it. So this was written to show that there's one God. No, this is God's word that He He has given us uh, since the beginning. In fact, you know, we would challenge people. Genesis five one says, "This is the book of the generations of Adam," and. Who said that Adam couldn't write? I mean, you know, the secular world has writing not invented at the time of the Sumerians. But let's have a biblical worldview. Adam was highly intelligent from the beginning. They had a complex language from the beginning. Who said they couldn't write? The very first verse of the Bible is, in the beginning, God created. What I would say is this. Just as we have many flood legends, why do we have many flood legends around the world? Because there was a real flood, Noah's flood, which is recorded in the Bible, and these others are perversions of that. Well, it's the same with these these um, these mythologies of having many gods and different sorts of gods, it's a perversion of the fact that there is one God. In other words, the Bible wasn't written against what they say. They are a perversion of the truth that God has handed down to us. It's a whole uh, totally different to what people like Andy Stanley are saying. What he's really done is accept secular chronology. He's accepted the secular view of history and now he's trying to you know fit God's word somehow uh into that and they come up with these ideas um it's it's really belittling God's word in in a way um it it's really um you know having a low view of God and a very low view of his word that's what i believe it is yeah.
2: Well, well, friends, there's more clips we could play, but, you know, time is running its course here as well. And I would like to open phone lines here today uh, here to Crosstalk. If you have a question for Ken, uh, maybe you've been one who's attended, uh, visited the Creation Museum, Ark Encounter. Just have a brief word of testimony about it, how it's impacted your life, that of your family. Our phone number to Crosstalk, 800-733-9829. That's one 800 733 nine eight two nine celebrating thirty years upholding biblical authority through the Answers in Genesis ministry and uh, again their websites answers ingeneis creationmuseum.org. arcencounter uh, dot com creationmuseum Ken, just before we take the break uh, uh, and we have just 90 seconds here uh, w- many of us uh, we look in the scriptures and it says, as it was in the days of Noah, and we see about the coming of the Son of Man, how close do you believe we are to the days of Noah?
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I might shock people and say, I, you know, um, in the days of Noah, there were only eight people that were righteous that went on board that ark. Mm. You know, there are still millions in America that love the Lord and stand in his word. So even though, you know, we see a lot of rebellion, and even though we see so much pagan stuff going on, and uh, people have turned their backs on God, um, I, I don't think it's like um, like the days of Noah yet. I mean, you know, we're certainly, there's some allusions there, you know, there's certainly some comparisons we could make, you know, every heart of their, uh, every foot of their heart continue, continuously evil, but it's not for everyone. There's still millions that love the Lord, so I sort of wonder about that. I, we're, not, we're not like Sodom and Gomorrah yet, but... Um, Still, um, there's a lot of rebellion in this nation, that's for sure.
2: really is. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back to your calls here for the last segment uh, with Ken Ham, the founder CEO of Answers in Genesis. I see our lines are all packed here. You can write it uh, the number down and uh, respond back to us here, uh, here. When you hear somebody hang up, that's your opportunity to give a call, 800-733-9829. Answers in arcencounter.com, creationmuseum.org. Back in one minute here on Crosstalk.
3: For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is Worldview Report. Com. Matthew 25, Jesus is separating the sheep from the goats. Now don't confuse Matthew 25 with Revelation 20, the great white throne judgment. That's where he judges the dead. This is Matthew 25 where he's judging the Gentile nations that have come out of the tribulation. He's separating the sheep from the goats and he commends those sheep who ministered to his brethren. I was in prison and you visited me. I was sick, right? and You cared for me. I was thirsty. You gave me water. Remember that? Well that passage is used to promote social justice. It's not about social justice. He said, you'd ministered to my brethren. In the Greek strong we find out that the brethren is the Jews. You know how hard it is today to stand up for the Jewish people since October 7th with the rise of anti-semitism? We've not seen anything compared to what's going to happen during the tribulation. Jesus isn't saying you're saved because you help the Jews. You help the Jews because you're saved.
2: We could use a couple more hours on the program today to unpack so much more, but we're so grateful for the ministry of Answers in Genesis, now 30 years and uh, upholding biblical authority throughout, and grateful for the ministry. Ken Ham with us today, the founder, CEO of Answers in Genesis. Let's go right to the phone lines here on Crosstalk. Uh, We're going to begin with uh, Bonnie in Wisconsin. Bonnie, you're on the air.
0: Hi, thanks for taking my call. i tuned in a little bit late, but I haven't heard any talk about the... Um, magnitude of what you experience. You need at least one day at Creation Museum mm-hmm. and one or two days at the Ark to absorb it all. Yeah, And you talked about the size of it, but there are elevators in it that take you to the different floors. Mm-hmm. There are no steps. There are ramps that you can walk up and down that are very wide, accommodate wheelchairs and uh, people going in each direction. Uh, it's just a marvelous experience, and I wish everybody could go. Great.
1: Thank you. Well, thank you, and we actually have a three-day bouncer ticket where people can bounce back and forth from the Ark and the Creation Museum over a period of three days because uh, we recognize they need at least three days to be able to experience it all.
2: Yeah, and, and Ken, even you just announced that uh, for 2024, you got a special deal for kids.
1: Kids 10 and under are free. We've been doing that now for a few years, and we'll continue to do it as parents bring their kids along. We want to impact the younger generation.
2: George is calling from Olney, Illinois. George, you're on the air. Thank you for taking my telephone call.
1: I was going to ask uh, Mr. Ham, do you think we're generally selling ourselves short and God short? when we say that the answers are 1 through 11 chapters in Genesis, when chapter 12 goes ahead to explain why the world is
2: at war? Okay. Thank you, George.
1: Uh, well, what I'm talking about is just the foundational history that's foundational to the rest of the Bible. I mean, the answers are in God's Word from Genesis to Revelation and uh, Genesis 1-11 to is the history, uh, There, even from the Tower of Babel, uh, you have the, the Table of Nations, and then that leads to, you know, Abraham, and then the call of Abraham, and so on. So mm-hmm. I'm just talking about Genesis 1-11 to as the foundational yeah. history for the rest of the Bible. But all the answers are in God's Word, and, and we're talking about a foundation to understand the
2: rest. Right. You're not taking a scissors to Genesis 12 through the end of Revelation, Ken. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Let's go to Jerry next. Whitewater, go ahead, Jerry. Uh,
1: yes, hi. Uh, did, uh, Ken, did you ever debate Erica? I, I went by the Creation Museum. I'm a truck driver, and I came through there yesterday. I'm back home here now. But her name is Erica Gibbon, and she took a picture with you, and I didn't know who she was, and I went on and listened to her. Boy, it's hard to listen to her for that hour and a half, because she criticizes everything. Everything, and she supposedly went there when she was a youngster, and I believe she was a Christian. Well, you know what? Um, We're not going to be able to uh, reach everybody. Uh, We just do the best we can, and some of these people, they're in rebellion against God. But you never know. know what she saw there certainly impact her. And I've seen people come and be skeptics I've had Atheists tell me, uh, we got mad at you, we, we scoffed at you, but later on the Lord used it to bring them to himself. So we just need to pray for her and other people like that.
2: Thanks, Sherry. We have Faith calling from Pennsylvania. Faith, you're on the air.
0: Yes. Here's an exasperating question. What is the history of the shape of the earth?
1: Well... Uh, You can go to Scripture, and I don't have time to go into that right now. We do have um, quite a number of articles on our website, um, but the Scripture talks about, you know, sitting on the circle of the earth, and there's many other uh, passages that certainly allude to the fact that it's a sphere. Uh, which is what our astronaut Christian astronaut friends see from space and are able to uh, video, and it fits exactly with what the Bible says.
2: Okay, thank you, Faith, for your question. And Ken, we should mention uh, the Answers in Genesis website. You've got a little uh, magnifier glass like right there. You can call, type in your question, and whether it be that of shape of the Earth or or some would hold to the flat Earth uh, theory, uh, that, that you can put that in, and you've, you've got response responsive articles dealing with these issues.
1: We've got over ten thousand articles on our on our website and so yeah, people can get answers to all sorts
2: of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, a B is our next caller. A B you're on the air. Oh thank you, Jim. Thank you, Cam too. I just want to make a comment um on your program
1: today. Very good program. But I'm still to see that men like Cam and you got a wonderful museum down there in Kentucky. Um he's absolutely right. Uh, it's the church. The church is the problem, but Jim, uh, Kim, the church is also a solution. Mm. Until the church repair, mm-hmm. the world does not have a light. Yeah. Satan has creeped into our seminaries where they're telling these pastors uh, that they should take birth control pills and kill families once they get married. Now you have
3: women's ordained as ministers, and you have the side
2: of my spot along that long behind there. Yeah. Well, it's one of the things.
1: reasons why we as a ministry, we're equipping God's people. That's one of our big emphases. Equip God's people so they'll go back to their churches and uh, help influence others to stand for him. Uh, and that's happening all across the nation and around the world. So yeah. we pray it'll happen even more.
2: Yeah, indeed. And, A.B., just because of time here, I've got to move on. We've got one more call to get in before. But, but indeed, uh, yeah, the problems in the Church, but, yeah, the solution, we've got to get back into the Church and the Church submitting to the authority of God's Word. Thank you so much. Uh, let's squeeze in Aaron in Pennsylvania. You're on the air.
0: Yes. Um, I had uh, a person make a comment on... Uh, place that I was at, and um, I didn't feel like having a big answer back to them. It wasn't the place or time, but it was with the millions of years, and I said there couldn't be millions of years because there'd have to be miles and miles of fossils. And they said, well, after uh, so many million, the fossils go back into elements. How would that... (laughs) That takes more faith, I think, but how would that be able to be answered?
1: Uh, Well, I'm not really sure what the person was saying, um, but... um You know, if there was millions and millions of years, the Earth would all be eroded. I mean, you look at how fast erosion occurs today. Things fall apart really quickly. Things are eroded uh, very, very quickly. And uh, uh, millions of years just doesn't make sense, even from that uh, perspective. And the more you look at the geological record, the more you see evidence of catastrophism, layers were formed catastrophically by the flood of Noah's day. Uh, They're certainly not millions of years old. Mm.
2: Thank you, Aaron, for the call. And you'll find more info on the whole matter of fossils, answers in Genesis.org. Uh, put that into the search engine. You'll find much more in-depth that you can go into. Ken, time has run its course here today, but just on behalf of VCY America, I just want to say thank you for your ministry and, and just uh, your your con- continued, uh, uh, really, your bold witness for Christ and certainly your intentional about the gospel through your, your ministry. And, and thank you for upholding the authority of God's Word. Hey, thanks, Jim. It was a pleasure. Ken Ham with us today. Friends, again, the websites, uh, AnswersInGenesis.org, ArkEncounter.com, CreationMuseum.org. And uh, friends, if you've not had opportunity to go, it's worth taking your family there. and uh, And you'll find that once you've been there, you need to go back again and again and again. God bless you, folks. Thanks for joining us today on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk,